Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast with Tim Sievers and Pastor Corey from Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We're glad you could join us. Today we have a special edition of the podcast. We are doing, uh, what are we calling it, Corey? Cooking with Clergy? <laughs> we could call it that. Uh, we Well, a little explanation. Our soup suppers are over, right? Yes. Lent is over and we had one more section in our book and uh, so we're like, well, soup suppers are done. What should we do? And you, you cook stuff. And we're like, we should have cooking with Tim. I think we should just call it cooking with Tim. <laughs> I'm not doing any cooking. I'm at my house right now. Were you- yes. Yes. Well, well, we were, we were going to be a little closer than this for the, the conversation, but uh, this is how it's working out today and it's fine. Right. We're making the best of it. You, so you have some stuff there. What are we going to make with uh, cooking with Tim today? Well, one of the things we had talked about last week was the creme brulee that I had made. And so I thought we'd make that again because it's actually a lot easier than you might think uh, when you consider the cost you'd pay for it if you go out to a restaurant. <laughs> awesome. So creme brulee. Yes. Creme brulee. What a, now, I'm no uh, French expert. What does creme brulee mean, literally? Literally, uh, it's like a, so brulee is when you crystallize the, uh, and so it's a, it's a sugar top over custard or a cream filling, uh, but it's really a custard. I always thought it meant burnt cream. Is that That's what, what the brulee, the brulee part is specifically about the sugar. You can brulee lots of things. Last, uh, actually on uh, Easter, uh, I bruleed some cheese. We had some uh, brie from the Brush Creek Creamery out there in Deary. Oh yeah, that place is great. That's the same place as the uh, pie safe. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I sprinkled a little sugar over the top of the cheese, brought my torch out and Voila, we had brulee cheese. <laughs> now, does the cheese taste different after you brulee voila it or whatever? Yes, of course it does. Yes, it tastes better. What, does it taste like burnt cheese? I mean, what, I don't no, know. Burnt, it, well, it combines the sugars. It, 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 yeah, it activates the sugars and you get kind of the, 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 uh, the caramel, kind of these flavors of caramel. Um, it's really quite delicious. So do you use like Velveeta or American no, cheese? No. Pastor All Corey, right. come on. <laughs> no, this I'm was the, the like for the for a good cheese, you know, and this was the oh, Brush okay. Brush Creek Creamery. I think it was a maple brie. Um Ooh. they package it beautifully with a maple leaf on top and it's wrapped in a strip of bark of some kind. I mean they do amazing stuff out there and um and so, yeah, we just cut some pieces, a little bit of sugar on top, put the torch over it, just make it a little extra special. And we learned that. That sounds fun. We learned it from them. They had showed us uh, at a farmer's market one uh, last summer. Cool. So we're not doing cheese brulee. No. Creme we're doing brulee. creme brulee. And by when I say we, I mean you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so where do we start, Tim? Uh, what do we got there in the kitchen? That's the kitchen of Palouse Federated Church. Yeah. This I is, recognize uh, those ovens. Yeah, there they are. So uh, 
We've got a pot of, of water on the stove that's going to be part of the baking process. We're going to surround the little cups with hot water before we put it into the oven. Uh, but the first thing we're going to do is warm up the cream and add some flavor to it. And we're going to do that with, uh, right here, I have a blood orange. Can everybody see the beautiful color? I, I, can, I can see the orange. It's a blood orange. Blood orange. Um, I almost threw that orange out earlier. I thought it was rotten. It didn't look right, but it's a blood no, orange. It's a blood orange. It's even <laughs> okay. better than regular uh, okay. orange. That's my All opinion. Right. So what we do is uh, we, we just take a, like a vegetable peeler. Um, we we want to take the, the zest off the top of the orange, um, and we're going to strain it out later, but the, the oils that are in the skin of the orange are going to provide some flavor and aroma to the cream that we're going to add next. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, zest this you're, orange into that pot, and you can talk, ask you're questions. Gonna, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, I've never so, done a cooking show before. So, so Tim's going to zest that orange there. Uh, he's zesting it. I, I think when I talk, the recording goes to me, but I can now see Tim. And maybe you can't see him, but he is—he is just working that orange and putting pieces of it in the pot. And is there water in that pot, there, Tim? Not yet. We're going to add cream. Oh, cream, cream, cream. So Tim is a kind of a foodie. I don't know if that's the term that he would use, but he—he he likes some good gourmet food, uh, and he cooks uh, very, very well. Um, and has has won some awards different times. Uh, he's won my applause more than once. So, uh, um, so okay, Tim, okay. Did you finish zesting that orange? I have zested the orange, and I'm going to add the cream into our pot here. Uh, so it's a zest of one orange, and then three cups of cream. Three cups of cream. Three cups of cream. Yes. Then we're gonna put that over some medium heat. Now, do you recommend a gas stove, Tim? I or prefer gas uh, stoves. I think it, you get a better, I think it cooks better and you get a more even cooking with it. Um, I'm not sure that our cookware here uh, makes, I'm not sure that it matters based on the quality of our cookware we have. Um, what are you saying? That our hodgepodge well, you know, donated cookware? I picked up this pot is... earlier, and like the bottom isn't in the center. It's like off-center. It's the strangest thing. The bottom but it, isn't... Huh. I don't know. I just, you know, I just work here. So <laughs> you, you do cook here occasionally. And I cook here uh, occasionally. So this is going to sit here for a little while. Uh, there, there's uh, not much else to do until we're ready uh, to move on to the next step. So why don't we take some time and talk about uh, the book we've been reading. Um, Carrie Newhoff's Didn't See It Coming. We've got one, one chapter left to tackle, right? Yeah, one section left to tackle and didn't see it coming. Uh, the section uh, is the final section, the seventh part. I guess you could say it's on emptiness. And, you know, I'd love to give away a free book this week. We still have three books at the church, maybe four. Uh, four? And yeah, sure. if you're listening to this and you're the first one to say, I want a book in the comments on YouTube or Facebook, uh, actually the first four, 
Uh, there we'll you get go. You the Let's book. get rid of we, them all. We want to get the books out. Lent is over, but it's still a good book that you should read. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Tim, did you have a chance to read it? Let's just go full disclosure. I did read it. Um, yeah. You did? Yeah, I, okay. I actually read it again earlier today. Um, good. While I was uploading Wa Ming's great video uh, to YouTube hey. and Facebook. Yeah. Fun video. Uh, I have yeah. not watched it yet. I hear there's a plot twist in it. So uh, um, I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, yeah, it's great. So this, this, this chapter is all about emptiness and its antidote. And he makes a good point that sometimes the people who end up feeling the most empty are not people that have had, you know, continuous failures in their life, but also people who've had success. And then um, they put maybe to look at it from a Christian angle, they, they put a lot of identity in their success and then they find it empty or they find it wanting, you know? Uh, yeah. And he talks about Solomon a lot, you know, that Solomon, uh, King Solomon had a lot of success, but if we read Ecclesiastes, we find out that he, he didn't find, you know, real contentment um, or joy in a lot of his pursuits, you know? Um, and so, I, I thought that was a really good point. Uh, that yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised, Corey, by that illustration. I hadn't thought about Solomon quite that way. Um, but then when you consider his words in Ecclesiastes and, and the text that uh, Newhoff quotes, you're kind of like, oh, well, now I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. Everything. You know? Yeah. He, you know, here's Solomon, like in Newhoff's words, he says, Solomon was Benjamin Franklin, Warren Buffett and Albert Einstein stapled together. Uh, you know, he, you know, a, a wise person, a super rich person and very intelligent. And, you know, the, the life of a party uh, had all kinds of uh, marriages and concubines yet, you know, his, um, he had a lot of emptiness if we read Ecclesiastes. Uh, and so, yeah, Newhoff points it out that being the smartest person in the room doesn't mean that you're going to have a full soul or, or being, uh, or, you know, even says knowledge can lead to sorrow that as we, as we seek some of our human experiences, sometimes, uh, you know, and I've done this with vacation before you get so excited about a vacation before you almost over identify with it. And then you, you know, then you don't enjoy it and you don't actually rest. And then the vacation's over and you like, you know, it, it has a weird opposite effect on you. Um, I, I don't know if that yeah. makes sense at all. Um, but yeah. So that's the kind of thing he was talking about in this, in the first chapter where he's diagnosing it. Um, uh, he talks, do you go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, it seems really counter to our culture. In our culture, we often feel like uh, it seems like the messages we get in our culture are that if you have more wealth and you have more possessions and you have more, 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 that somehow that's going to fill you up and, and bring you to some point of happiness. And that's not what Newhoff identifies in the story of Solomon or that scripture identifies in Solomon's story either. Um, it's not always this, you know, we look to the wrong things, I guess, is what I'm trying to say for, yeah. uh, for our souls to feel uh, full and content. Yeah, he goes through the, uh, 
more, better, different. Like we keep, we keep the, this idea that if, well, if we just had more or, okay, I got a lot more, I made more money, I made more stuff. So I need things that are better than other people. And then there's this other stage where, okay, I not only, I got things that are better than other people. So I want different things. I want more experiences or more stuff of different types that, and you know, Solomon was able to do all of that to a high degree and that still left him feeling empty. And I think our culture sells us on that all the time, right? Is oh, more experiences, more stuff will just equal more fullness of life. And uh, quite the opposite can be, can be true. Um, you know, yeah. it's not, and he says it, it's not that stuff is bad or that going on a vacation is bad or buying a car that you want to buy is bad. But uh, if you if your faith is in that or you're expecting your happiness or your contentment to be in that thing in that experience rather than right relationship with god you're you're going to be disappointed is what he basically is saying um did, you know did you agree with this part tim where he said uh about what well, now you don't have to say personally if you agree but he said about 70 percent of their u.s workforce is disengaged at their job and they hate it actually <laughs> you can talk about your friends you don't have to talk about your own experience since i'm your you know boss or whatever but uh but he says uh what do you do when you hate your job and this is really the part i wanted to talk about if you're like most people you live for the weekend so then he talks about in our culture like a lot of people do struggle with they don't feel like they have a deep purpose in life but they got to pay the bills. So they have a job, they feel disengaged from it. So then they really live for when they're not at work, you know, they're not engaged with their, their right. career. They don't see it as a calling. And so then they, they live for the weekend, whether that's partying or hobbies or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, Right now, I, that is not me, you know, and so this, this is a, the, the right answer wow, for good. you, of course. <laughs> but I think, you know, in my life, one of the things I've, uh, I, I've specifically looked for is jobs that have meaning uh, that is, I, I think as Newhoff puts it, there's, there's a mission that's bigger than you. Um, and that's certainly what our work in the church is. It's what my work in the nonprofit world was. Uh, it's about something that's bigger than me. Um, and so I don't, uh, but that being said, I think there have been times, even in those jobs where the mission is bigger than me, where you do feel a sense of emptiness and it's when you're focused on the wrong, on the wrong things. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes we get ourselves in a little pity party and it's, you know, woe is me. And it's not, a, uh, it's like, no, you got to get your heart back in the right place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but if we stay in that wrong place for, for too long, he talks about some other things, you know, like uh, people who self-medicate, whether it's alcohol right. or other things, it could be all kinds of stuff. It could be unhealthy relationships. And so that whole, the whole first part or the first chapter of the emptiness part is talking about that cycle of, of feeding, um, feeding the emptiness and you're kind of perpetuating the negative cycle. And he, 
at the end of chapter 13, he talks about you have a choice of self-medication or self-care. self-care you know, that yeah. you're, if you're in a period of or a place of emptiness, you need to either choose to like, how do I, how do I overcome this? How do I grow from this? Or it's painful. So you medicate your pain one way or the other. Um, so you either got to deal with it or um, deal with it in an unhealthy way, I guess. Right, and right. Um, yeah. But his antidote, you brought up the antidote, Tim. Are, do you need to do any other next steps with cooking? Well, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next thing, but... Uh, Why don't we move on to the next thing before we do the antidote? Okay. So what do, what do you do next? So the next thing we've got to do is we've got to get those orange peels out of the cream. Um, so what I'm going to do is take my trusty little tool here, that's the name of which I can't remember, but... I use it to get some pasta out of the is water. Is it a strainer? It's, it's like a spider, but it's not quite that cool. Uh, a spider? <laughs> a spider, I said strainer. yeah. It's used to get pasta out of the water. So, oh, oh, oh. Um, all I'm going to do here is just uh, lift the pan over this uh, measuring cup and pour the cream through here. And th this is going to collect all of the, all of the, um, the zest that I had uh, put in there. And so you turned off the heat, right? Yeah. And, and do you keep those little zests and feed them to your chickens? I, I do not. I'm not sure if I should. Okay. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm not sure either, Tim. I don't know anything about chickens. Oh, you're back. Okay. Uh, let me grab a few more things and bring them into the frame here so people can see what we're doing. So what are you gathering there, Tim? You can just talk okay. about it. You got so got yeah, the next thing the next thing we've got to add some sugar into our six egg yolks. And I uh, broke these earlier and separated the yolks from the whites. Um, so if you want like an egg white omelet tomorrow just check out the fridge here. There's a couple, couple eggs. You know, you can do that. So I'm good to know, Tim. A, good to know. Gonna add a half a cup of granulated sugar and give it a little whisk. Did you have trouble finding sugar lately, Tim? I did not. Um, you know what I've had trouble finding is flour. Flour. Um, yeah, I was in a. Well, you know, you, we, we are self-proclaimed foodies at my house. We like food. We like particular products, and there's a particular kind of flour we like, and we can't find it anywhere. Uh, that's okay. There are other kinds, but I went looking for other kinds the, uh, yesterday or the day before, and I couldn't even find – it was like all the flour was gone. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, oh, could, could there be a flour shortage? That's, I think people just really – stocked up on the old flour you wouldn't think so around here in wheat country especially that we have mm -hmm. a flour shortage but could you oh buy well. some just straight from uh palouse brands or do they they don't they don't mill flour down there i don't think no you know somebody bought me some some grain they got there that they had milled though and it we've used it made a really wonderful biscuit with it oh cool excellent <laughs> so what are, what are you doing next here tim uh, so the, I have to think about it now. 
I don't think it matters which order I do it, but <laughs> I'm going to add um, a tablespoon of uh, vanilla to my cream mixture. Do you make your own vanilla? No, but this was, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. This one is labeled Mexican vanilla, and I'm not sure where I ended up with it from. Mexico? Maybe so. I didn't go there though. Somebody brought it to me and shared. Um, so one tablespoon of that, and then one tablespoon of orange liqueur of your choice. So I don't. Tim, we're a dry church. We're a dry church, Tim. We're cooking with it, so it's okay. 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 There was a little you're bit have a little, You're gonna have a little nip there, Tim. No, I. No. I, I, no. It's the daytime. It is the daytime, <laughs> but I would not do that here at work. Oh, okay. um, good. So good answer, Tim. Done. And a little bit of salt also goes in there. Uh, one quarter teaspoon, um, and give it a little stir. So everything's all mixed up. And so then the next part is the. So because we've got eggs and we've got a hot liquid, we have to be very careful about how we put them together because we don't want to cook the eggs. You don't, uh, you don't so want scrambled eggs. We don't want scrambled egg custard. It would not be delicious. So I'm going to pour just a little bit at a time into the egg mixture and until I get it all incorporated. So you, you pour the cream into the egg, not the other pour way the around. Pour the cream into the egg, yep. Yeah. And after you get it going, then you don't have to worry about it as much. But those first couple pours, it's really important that you don't put too much in and cook your egg. The more you put in, the lower the temperature's getting, right? So. Right. And we're whisking in, you know, air and trying to get it to cool down a little bit. What's in that big pot on the right there? So that big pot on the right is just some boiling water. Is that for your and, skin? Uh, sorry, what was that? Is that just for your complexion, your skin, like to keep it moist in there? Or, or, yeah, yeah, no? I'm trying to increase the humidity, you know. <laughs> I didn't know you, you boil creme brulee? No, we don't boil it. Okay. It's, uh, it's going to go, uh, essentially, the creme brulee is going to sit in a water bath in the oven. Oh. And so the moisture around, the, the water around it does two things. It helps uh, the custard to cook evenly, and it also provides moisture in the oven um, so that you get the right texture and your, your top doesn't crack. This is something you do like with uh, cheesecake too sometimes. So Tim, I got to tell you, I've seen that before. I've seen that on the Great British Baking Show, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Because if I hadn't, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Um, most of the cheesecakes I made came from a box, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, he just laughs. The no-bake cheesecakes, I find, you know, I haven't had one in a while, but uh, not, not real cheesecake to you, I'm sure. 
Well, I'm pretty much an equal opportunity eater, but you know, I've experienced that. Yeah. You know, Tim, I really do miss everybody's soup. You know, I, I know we did these virtual soup suppers, but uh, I hope someday uh, we can recreate that, you know, uh, have real soup suppers again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be. I think everybody would love to do that again. So I've got these little, uh, these little cups here. Um, these yeah. are actually... Um, we had got some uh, creme brulee at Costco once, and we saved them because uh, you can never have too many little creme brulee cups. But what I'm going to do is take some water and just put it in my large roasting pan. So is that water boiling or? Uh... I turned it off a few moments ago, so it's not boiling, but it's very hot. So you're not pouring it in those containers, you're pouring it uh, around them. And how high does it get? Um, you want to go about halfway. Okay. I'm, I'm asking all these questions in case I ever do it, Tim. No, and that's you know. good because I don't always think of the things that I should be saying. Because I'm not used to narrating my cooking. <laughs> Neither am I, Tim. I hardly ever narrate when I cook. So then I'm just going to fill those up almost to the top. Do you ever sing while you cook, Tim? Uh, not usually. So sometimes you do. Well, I might. <laughs> um, do you ever sing to annoy your kids just for fun? or I do no? lots of things to annoy my kids just for fun. Yeah. So I've got to add a couple more here in there. How many can you get in that container? It depends on how, it depends on the size of your little bowls. Uh, I've got seven in there now. I think I can get one more. Is that your average, uh, what do you call it, a turkey pan or a turkey roasting pan? Or? It, is my, it is my turkey roasting pan. Does that give it a slight turkey flavor? No, no turkey you, flavor. You, so, you wash it good enough that you don't have any turkey uh, residue, huh? Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter, Corey, because it's not, it's not actually in the pan. It's, well, I mean, I don't know how these things work. It's nearby the pan, you know. So I've got that in the water bath, put it in the oven. The oven is at 325 Fahrenheit. We're gonna close that up. Uh, set a timer for 45 minutes. This is gonna be a long podcast, Tim. So, well, you know, I, I did a little bit of my own uh, TV magic. And uh, ah. I can, I can, you know, walk over to this oven and pull out. No. So, uh, <laughs> the, uh, do you want me to finish it up? Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. I was joking. So, I was joking that, you know, 45 minutes, that'd be long, but. No. Yeah. yeah, no. yeah. So it's going to, it's going to cook in there for 45 minutes. When you take it out, it has to sit. Uh, you take it out of the water and let it cool on a wire rack for uh, an, an hour. 
And then when it's cooled for an hour, you put it in the fridge four hours or overnight and you cover it uh, while you do that and get it to, to cool down. So that's a real process, you know, uh, yeah, it takes time. It's not yeah. hard. Nothing that I did here. Today that, that was, was pretty simple, right? Yeah. It's very simple, but not it does many take ingredients. a little bit of time. Not many ingredients, really. Right, right. Um, so far, unless you're going to add something. No. So the only thing we're going to do is um, I'm going to add a little bit of sugar to the top of the creme brulee. I have no idea what the uh, appropriate Can you put that up is. close to the camera? Yeah. So we can see. So I don't know if that. Yeah, it's covered. Can you see that okay? Yeah. And then I've got yeah. this beautiful little uh, tool. It's a kitchen torch. And we'll see if hopefully I don't set anything on fire except what I intend to. It was being finicky yesterday, so we'll see. Whoa, okay. we saw a flame, Tim. Yes, that's what you should see. So we're gonna take the little torch and now, we're just gonna caramelize the sugar on the top. What's the secret with good uh, torching here, Tim, or whatever that's called? You wanna be about an inch away or what? Um, or does know, it matter? You just wanna do it. Is it just, you just, it just browns it, is that? So it melts it and yeah, it's gonna crystallize it and you wanna just slightly burn it would be how, how you would say it. <laughs> so we wanna and start to see some color in it. Some, um, we want it to look a little bit like caramel on the top and then we'll let it sit for a little bit and it creates a glassy, uh, hard crust. Um, that you kind of break through to get to the custard and it's quite, quite delicious. So it's looking pretty good. And then do you have to cool it after that or do you serve it hot? You uh, serve it just like this. So yeah, right um, after you so I kind of give it a nice little, nice see the color on there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna let that sit for a minute uh, we can finish up talking about the book and then hopefully if I did it right, um, when I bust into it with my spoon, uh, you'll be able to see how it kind of created a, a, a sugary crust on top and hear that crack as we go into it and so give it Tim, a taste. So in case people are interested in wanting to recreate this at home, uh, are you going to put the recipe on the page or something or? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? In the show notes, as we say. So right uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the antidote you brought it up is having a mission that's greater than ourselves. That you know the the way out of emptiness isn't just the pursuit of more stuff or more experiences or or more parties, but uh, as he says, it's. Uh, it's really learning to get over yourself or this mindset of always living for uh, what's in it for me. Uh, yeah. With them, with them, what's in it for me, W I F M. Right. And 
that we live in a society, but really all humans, we're tempted to live pretty self-centered lives. And so finding a mission that's bigger than you um, and what is that, that part of you or not just that part of you, what are you, what are you called to be? Um, And I think that's where true satisfaction or true contentment comes from is living the life uh, that you believe you were made to live uh, and finding that for you. That doesn't mean everything's going to go your way or that you'll always be hunky dory happy or whatever. But I think that's, that's the antidote to emptiness. That's the secret for fullness is, having that, that mission. Um, so you had already mentioned that you have thoughts about that, Tim. Um, you know, I, there was, I should have brought my book in here to the kitchen with me. Cause there was, what's the last line of the chapter there? I, I seem like of I the underlined an- that. Of the antidote chapter. Yeah. He says in the process of giving your life away, you will find it. Right. Yeah. Well, and he ties that to some of what Jesus said, right? That Jesus said that uh, if you lose your life for me, you will find it. Uh, and, and I loved that, that connection because that's what I feel like. Um, I always feel when I'm, when I'm serving God and serving my neighbors and, and, and doing the, the things that God has called me to do, that's when I do feel satisfaction and and contentment in my life and it's when i get off on my own tangents and it's all about me like just like he says in the book that all of a sudden you find out you you find this dissatisfaction with life but Mm -hmm. when you give your life to god and when you give your life to other people uh that really is transformative it changes your perspective and it changes your heart and it makes it so that you can be and live contentedly uh, where God has called you to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the key is finding that relationship with God, uh, that, that God will then give you a mission for your, for your life. Uh, you know, Oh, did I lose you, Tim? I'm still here. Hang on. I have to decline a phone call that came into my, the church oh, phone okay. rang to my phone and that cut off the video. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, you know, there's a conclusion to the book too. And I, I just, rather than going through the conclusion, I, I, I want to tell you that this, this chapter alone, a lot of the chapters alone are worth the price of the book, but we're offering to give it away to the next four people. So right. it's really worth it. Um, I just encourage you to, to uh, read it. If you were one of the, 60 or so people that got a copy before COVID-19 hit our area, or if, uh, if you want to be one of the next four people to get a copy. Uh, some of you I know have read it and have been blessed by it. We had a bunch of people who bought books for other people. Uh, so if it's at home, read it. If you want a copy, let us know. Uh, obviously, the title is kind of ironic for the age we're in. Is ironic the right word? Didn't see it coming. Yeah, There's a lot of things we don't see coming. But uh, God has a way of uh, helping us for, for that which we didn't know was coming. So the creme brulee, Tim, are we ready for the big test? I just can't thank you enough for doing this. And I hope people have been interested in watching, watching you cook. Okay. okay. Talk a little.
Well, yeah. Can you can you guys hear me and see me now? Yeah, we can see you and hear you. Okay, so I'm gonna put this up, and hopefully you'll be able to hear the the cracking of the crust as I as I break into it. Oh, winner, winner, winner! And so you can see that. Maybe too close. So I. Mm. Just so good, uh, you know, creamy and orangey and sugary and just delicious. So uh, I hope that everybody had fun learning about making creme brulee. I hope you see that it's something that you can do too. You don't have to be one of those chefs you watch on TV. Uh, you can do this at home. You can do this in a kitchen. You can do it in a kitchen with substandard tool even. Uh, so <laughs> wow. You wow. can do it. You can do it, and uh, and it's and it's a lot of fun, and you get to eat something wonderful, and there's just something about food that's such a blessing, I think, and something that it brings families together, it brings churches together, it brings communities together. I think it's the way that God, a way that God intended for us uh, to build our relationships with one another, and what better way to do it than with something delicious? Uh, so yeah. give the creme brulee a try. Yeah. Thanks, Tim, for doing that. You know, he actually brings up food in the book and, uh, you know, food can be one of these things where we, uh, we medicate with it, but also like you're saying, or, or medicate, yeah, overindulge or overeat to eat away our pain or something. But he, he, but he said that he called it medicating self medicating ourselves with, with food or with work instead of proper self care. Yeah. And, but I think on the flip side, celebrating together and enjoying some rich foods, uh, I think God set it up that way, our taste buds and the richness of certain foods and the things we enjoy. Every culture has uh, its tastes. And, you know, I, I just think that's one of the things we're missing out on is being able to gather and do things together. So thank you for offering us a way to enjoy something together via the internet here um you know so i hope somebody out there tries it if you do you can send us a picture uh, of your creme brulee creation uh, i i'm gathering you would love to see that right tim yeah that'd be great to see people giving it a try yeah cool well do we have cool. anything else i think that's it for today okay you want to sign us out i will so thank you all for listening and watching. This has been Tim Sievers and Pastor Corey coming to you from our uh, various studios here in the rolling hills of Palouse, Washington. And uh, we hope you just have a blessed day. Thanks for watching. Take care, everybody.